this March Madness going on. I'm pretty sure at home you guys are screaming and yelling, so we're going to try it again. Good morning, church. There we go. That's a little bit better. You guys want to stand up and let's worship together? We're going to sing some old songs and have some fun.
going to sing that last part of that chorus together. One big, one big um, cry out. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, Coming after me. There's no 
As we come to prayer time, you can have a seat. You can remain standing. The altars are always open. If you want to come and uh, just kneel before God and talk to God, you're welcome to. But let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your reckless love. God, we thank you for the way that your, your spirit, your provenient grace has been Pursuing us nonstop. Thank you for the way that you lavish your love upon us in ways that we don't deserve and in amounts that we can't handle. But God, we want more. We want more. We want more. Pour it down, we pray. Jesus, we praise you. Our Savior, our Redeemer, our Messiah. God, thank you for the plan that you set in motion from the beginning to provide a way for us to come back to the Father so that we could once again be image bearers of you, that we could be made right with you, that we could be sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we could be adopted into the family, that we could be grafted into the vine, that we could be one as you are one. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, you're here. Your word says it, and it's not just a numerical thing where two or three are gathered. God, wherever a Christ follower is, your spirit is there. Wherever a Christ follower isn't, your spirit is still there. But we recognize your presence among us right now, and we pray that you will open our hearts and our minds, that we will be attuned to your spirit, that we will be transformed even in these moments so that we can then become life-giving to the world around us. 
thank you. Thank you, God, for calling us your friend. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Amen. Can we turn these lights up so I could see these beautiful faces? Hi, friends. Yeah. Oh, look. Good job, Troy. Hey, y'all. All right, do this for me. Take a deep breath in. Let it out slowly. And so for some of us, tomorrow begins the next part of school. Um, for those of us who work in schools or go to school, spring break ends today. Um, for others of us, um, we just go back to work tomorrow. And there's this thing called Sunday scaries. Have you heard of this? The sun, you get the Sunday scaries, and it's like this sense of dread over <laughs> what's coming the next week. And so for some of us, we might be experiencing this a little bit for whatever reason. I want you to know that we serve a God who loves to lavish his peace upon us. He says, this, this peace that I give you is not as the world gives. It's a peace that passes understanding. And so for so many of us, there are days filled with dread and anxiety because we don't know what may be tomorrow holds and so my friends today may I say to you may the peace of Christ be with you today may his peace just so overwhelm you today so that you can breathe so that you can face whatever is coming next in his grace and his love and his peace so will you stand with me because we get to do this for each other too Friends, may the peace of Christ be with you this morning. Will you please extend this peace to each other? Because we need it. We we need these words. Extend that peace to each other.
Well, good morning, everyone. <laughs> All right, we have a few announcements for you. Uh, next Saturday is VBS. It is from 9 to 12, but we actually, if you have volunteered to serve, we need you here at 8 a.m., please. Um, also, Friday night, we are going to be setting up for VBS, so if any of you would like to come and volunteer, if you could be here at 6 p.m., the more hands, the lighter the load. Um, Joy, is there anything that we still need for VBS? We still need everything. Eggs, candy, the individually wrapped candy. So hear that, everybody? We need plastic eggs, individually wrapped candy, juice box, snacks. Okay. All right. Yeah, you can see Joy for more info. She'll give, she'll give you the hookup. <laughs> uh, and then we have Good Friday service. Good Friday. April 7th. It's going to take place at Spruce Creek High School. We are partnering with Thrive Church, 7 p.m. So show up there for Good Friday service. But on Sunday, you will be back here for Easter service. Yay. And then baptism. And if any of you are interested in baptism, please see Jen or Garen. Um, just a great way to, to profess to everybody that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. So if you want to participate in baptism, we welcome you. And I believe that is it. Thank you. Hey, y'all. This is our offering time, and we are still not quite back to plates. We're getting close. We, we may start those back soon, but um, so much more than passing plates. We're called to live lives of offering. We're called to be a living sacrifice. And so our time, our talents, our treasures, everything is his. Amen? So we give joyfully. We give generously. I can't think of a third Lee, but we give it something Lee as well. Abundantly. Oh, there we go. Oh, there it is. Everything has to be in threes, right? So... Let's pray. We thank you, God, for your goodness, for your love, for the way that you have provided for so much more than just our needs. So we give back to you out of gratitude and thanks, understanding that everything is from you. We realize that our lives can turn on a dime. You are the one who controls it all. And so we surrender to you and we give joyfully to the God who loves us. Thank you for the way that you speak into our lives. And thank you for the way that we can, in turn, partner with you by giving our time and our talents and our treasures and speak life into the community around us. Be with us in this, this time and in this coming week, we pray in your name. Amen. God bless you as you give. Oh, actually, I think I did that wrong. There are ways that you can give if you'd like. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Will you pray with me our prayer for understanding this morning as we hear the word of God? Go ahead. 
Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Oh, these are indeed um, some, some good passages for that. The first passage that I'll be reading is from um, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians is a little bitty uh, book of the Bible in the New Testament, and it's a letter. I will be singing it now. (laughs) I don't sing. So so we're in Colossians chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 11 to 23. And this is the beginning of this letter that Paul is writing to one of the, the early churches. And he's writing to encourage them. And so this is what he writes in Colossians chapter 1. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, and the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth, by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result... He has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That is good news. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. That is good. And then over in 1 John, okay, not John, 1 John. Don't ask me why. I don't know. Uh, 1 John is further back in the New Testament. 
And we are in 1 John 4, verses 7 to 21. Chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them and as we live in God our love grows more perfect So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced this perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. This, my friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Hey. Oh, y'all, we are halfway through the season of Lent. How are you doing? <laughs> At the beginning, we talked about suggestions that you could do, uh, the Lectio 365 app. Wow, there are some beautiful prayers and scripture passages in that app. I encourage you, they've got morning readings and evening readings. Even if you just hit one or hit them when you can, great. Um, our classes, Quest 52, 52 weeks of focusing on Jesus. Um, and then our Friday night class that's going over this farewell discourse from the upper room as well. Um, if you're not plugged into a group, um, well, we're called to be a community. I feel like that's kind of something that we should be doing. Uh, you are also encouraged to read John 13 through 17 as many times as you could, once a week. Hopefully, hopefully you're doing one of these things. If not, we're halfway through. You can start now. You don't have to make up time. Just start now. Halfway through. And uh, so here's what we're going to do. Let me, let me tell you where we've been, and then we're going to end up today in John chapter 15. And so if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. If you need a Bible, we've got Bibles in the back. You can grab one and follow along. I'll have the words up here, but I know some people are very tactile and they like to see what's going on. So you'll recall we started this Lenten journey talking about Jesus and this pitcher and this basin and Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And we talked about this upside-down kingdom of God where, where people that want to follow Jesus don't elevate themselves. They humble themselves. They lower themselves. They submit themselves. They, they do what, what Paul talks about in Philippians 2, where Christ humbled himself to become obedient um, we then we moved to week number two and we talked about knowing God. Do you know God or do you know God? We talked about the difference of the two words where Thomas was like, hey, we don't know where you're going. And it's like, we don't know where you're heading. And Jesus changes it and says, no, if you knew me, if you heart knew me, then you would know me. And so we talked about, do we know God or do we know God? And last week we talked about these if-then statements. Uh, you'll recall um, if this, then that, and how Jesus in um, the second part of John 14 is doing a lot of if you love me, you'll obey. If you obey, you love me. If you don't love me, it's clear that you don't obey me. And if you don't obey me, it's clear that you don't love me. And we talked about these if-then statements from last week. So here we are today. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on the first 10 verses of John chapter 15. And honestly, this should be its own series, just these first 10 verses. But we're not going to do that. We're going to do kind of a 30,000-foot overview and hit a couple of things. But I encourage you to go home today and don't just read these 10 verses. Read the whole chapter, John 15. John 15 is full of a lot of good stuff. And so I encourage you to do that. Um, maybe you'll be inspired to dig a little deeper. Um, let me give you 
A couple of tools that I really find helpful. BibleGateway.com. It's such a great tool. You can pull up a scripture passage and you can say, hey, what does it say in the King James Version? Click. Hmm, I wonder what it says in the NIV. And you can have them side by side and you can compare. And, and you'll start to notice, hey, I noticed two or three translations use this word. And I wonder why this one uses something different. Which might lead you to Blue Letter Bible. Which is basically... You can go and you can study. When I say, hey, that's the Hebrew word or that's the Greek word, or you know what that means? I'm a lot of times getting that from Blue Letter Bible because there's been something that I felt like God is saying, hey, look at that word. Focus on that word. And that's where I go to kind of unpack more of it. So BibleGateway.com, BlueLetterBible.com. A third thing you may want to do is use your free access to Right Now Media. That's right. Everyone here, everyone online, if you're listening or seeing this, you can go to rightnowmedia.com and you can sign up for free and you could you could follow along Francis Chan's farewell discourse messages that he's preaching on. It's what our group is working on and you might be inspired to come to Lisa's group and unpack a little more with people. Ooh, wouldn't that be great? But here's what I want you to do. We're going to we're going to read the first 10 verses of John. And here's what I want you to do. And I'm going to ask for participation. So I'm telling you up front. I want you to listen or look for words or themes that stand out to you. So we're going to practice this whole like, let's let's figure out what it's trying to say. So I'm not just going to give it to you today. I'm going to tell you what I think in a minute. But I want to hear after we read these 10 verses. What are some words or some themes that stand out to you as we read? You ready? Okay. If I were teaching elementary school again, I'd say, put your listening caps on. All right, here we go. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Uh-oh. We're having a little technical difficulty. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to hear the word of the Lord. Nope, that's good. That's exactly what I want. It's a Christmas miracle. Here we go. For those of you like online that aren't hearing what we're saying back and forth, just a miracle just happened. It's like manna. Here we go. Are you ready? I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. So remain in me, and I will remain in you. For as a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot, produce, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. 
When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. It's the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, what'd you hear? What, what, what's a word or a thought that, that stood out to you? And I'm going to repeat it so that people online can hear it. If you're online, type it in. Vine. Branches. Fruit. Remain. Dead branches. Production. Okay, this is going to go well because y'all are hitting a lot of stuff that I wanted to talk about. So, woohoo! One of the things that hit me as I was reading and studying was this vine, branch, fruit analogy. And it's primarily in the first few verses. I think it's like in the first four verses primarily. He, he alludes to it a little more afterwards. But, um, and before we dive too much into that, let's step back. Because there are many times when Jesus is saying something that we sit there and say, hey, that's a cute saying. That would be great on a bumper sticker. Or, wow, that's a life verse that I'm going to rip right out of there and take. But for the people in the room that day, for the disciples, the chances are they were hearing something completely different. Because they had more context than many of us have when they heard some of the things that Jesus talked about. Let me give you an example of what it might be like. So for us, if I said, one if I land, you would say, two if I see. And instantly, you would think of which revolution? The American Revolution. You would think of what person? Paul Revere. You, would, you might even think of a famous quote he had where he said, the British are coming. So if, I said, if I'm sitting there and I'm ter- talking in dialogue and I say, you know, what if I land and I just kept going, you would have that whole package in your mind, wouldn't you? I don't have to take time and explain it. It's there. What if I said this? What if I just started talking about the Notre Dame Cathedral? What might you think of when I say Notre Dame? Not, don't say Fighting Irish, because we're not going football or basketball. It's a bad day for Duke fans, and we're not talking about basketball until next fall. But if I talk about the cathedral, is there anything that comes to mind? Fire. Any of you think of bells ringing? Which would make you think of who? The hunchback? which might make you think of the famous saying where he screams out. (laughs) No, that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say sanctuary. (laughs) Okay, Roger, you don't get to talk out anymore today. (laughs) 
Do you see what I'm saying, though? I can say just a simple word, and it has a whole context that maybe 2,000 years from now, the people reading a transcript of what we're talking about wouldn't have. Are you with me? So what might the disciples be hearing when Jesus starts talking about this vine, this branch, all this kind of stuff? What might he be referencing? Well, a a lot of people say he's referencing Isaiah 5. And Isaiah 5 is all about Israel, where God says, Israel, you're the vineyard of the Lord. I expected you to produce fruit, but you haven't been producing fruits of righteousness and justice. So as a result, well, there's going to be some judgment. So so we hear vine and branches and we think, oh, that's a cute analogy. But what they were hearing was, hmm, that reminds me of a time when we got it wrong, when we weren't the vines and branches that we were supposed to be. And now Jesus is saying, you're once again, this is who you are. Don't forget who you are. What were they being condemned for back in Isaiah? Not being righteous. Not promoting justice and before any of you say oh goodness there he goes on social justice well i kind of am because literally isaiah 5 7 says that says you were not being righteous and promoting justice so side note before we start talking liberal or conservative or left or right maybe we should do a little less labeling and a little more reading So Jesus is saying, you're the vine, or I'm the vine, you're the branches. He's saying, this righteousness, this justice that I've talked about from the beginning, you're now called to participate in that in a way that you haven't before, and I'm telling you, this is what it's going to be about. The heartbeat of God is being able to, to be connected to the vine. Okay. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked, and I I hope that you guys aren't thinking all politics now. Because that's really not what it's about. It's about Jesus, and it's about God, and what does God care about? Um, rant over. Okay. So Jesus is telling his disciples, you are invited into this life of God. And so it, what's interesting is when we were reading that passage, did anybody think of that kid song? He is the vine and we are the branches. His banner over me. Love that song growing up. Um, it it kind of compartmentalizes things, though, in a way that I don't know that that we want to do as adults. I mean, we, we treat this passage as if Jesus is saying, I'm me and you're you and I'm just going to help you. But that doesn't really fit with what Jesus is saying throughout the entire John 13 through 17, where he's saying, I'm going to be in you. You're going to be in me. We are going to be connected in a way that you have never even considered. Just like I'm connected with the Father, I'm going to be connected with you and you're going to be connected with me. And This is more than just you're something that I'm picking up and attaching you to me. This is we're going to be in this together. And we separate and we say, oh, well, he's the vine. Yeah, but let's think about it. 
when we talk about a vineyard and we talk about the vine, when you talk about the roots, that's still part of the vine, right? When you talk about the leaves, it's the leaves of the vine. It's still part of the vine. When you talk about the grapes, it's the grapes on the... It's still... Are you with me? Roots, stalk, fruit, branches, they're all in this. And Jesus is saying, I am the whole. I am all of it. And you are being invited into this part that I want you to be. I want you to be connected to me in this way. And once again, Jesus is calling us into this life of God. And uh, and you remember... Let's shift. I just feel like we're supposed to go somewhere else. Let's talk about something else. Nah, this doesn't happen very often for me, so bear with me. This may be really bad. I feel like we're, I'm getting bogged down with the vine and branch, and I want to talk about the second thing, and that's the word remain. I think you mentioned it. Yeah. Because that's really what we need. The Greek word is minnow, not like a little fish. It's minnow that means completely part of something. John cared a lot about remaining. He cared a lot about abiding. He used the word more than anyone else. He used it 47 times in the book of John. He used it ten times in the passage. That's why, you, that's why it stood out. Because it was remain in me, I'll remain in you. If you remain in me and the Father remains in the... This was a big deal and this was revolutionary. We talk about, oh, my life in Christ. This was earth shattering for the people hearing this. That we are called to abide in Christ. To be continually present. Are we abiding? I think that's what I want to talk about. Are we being continually present in the life of Christ? So we have this silo mentality where we have, well, I've got my family and I've got my job and I've got my friends and I've got my social life and I've got my politics and I've got the economy and I've got my. And one of the silos that I have is my spirituality. And, and it's important. I need to have that silo, don't I? But Jesus isn't saying I want to be another thing on your plate. What Jesus is really saying is, yeah, you've got your family and you've got your friends and you've got the economy and you've got politics and you've got your job. But I want to be overlaid on top of everything. I want to be the priority of your family and your job. And I don't want to just have you show up on Sundays. I want to be abiding in you and I want you abiding in me and that's not something that we put a clock on 
that's a way that we are called to live. I've struggled a lot with are we abiding? I say we. I've been struggling with am I abiding? Am I being continually present? I notice it with my girls. Like, I think a lot, am I, am I present? Like, I, am I being in the moment? I don't want to miss a moment. And then I start to think, well, that's what Jesus is calling us to, and how often do I think of my spiritual life that way? God, am I so attuned in the moment? Whether I'm at the restaurant and I just sense that the waitress is having a, a rough day, or I'm, I'm out playing disc golf and I see someone walking by themselves playing by themselves, and I just, sometimes it's like, hey, man, they're enjoying it. Sometimes I feel like I need to invite them or I'm reading through my scripture and I've got my agenda because I got to get my sermon ready and I feel like God is saying stop here and let's just spend some you and me time on this concept and I'm like I'd love to God but sermon comes around every week I got how often am I not continually present because I'm pushing the next good thing How often are you not continually present with God? That's what he longs for. I don't I don't know. I don't know if I'm conveying how important this is. I mean, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing it feels like abiding is a pretty big deal it feels like remaining in the presence of god is a pretty big deal we try to think we have our lives under control and i'll ask god if i need a lifeline but other than that god thinks i'm gonna put you on the shelf and i'm gonna do this and i'll pull you down every sunday when god is saying i want you to abide in me daily continually present so let me read let me read you just a couple of verses again, and I want to I want to change remain to what it really means, which is continually present. Okay? So remain or be continually present in me, and I will be continually present in you. That should get someone screaming. For a branch can't produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you can't be fruitful unless you are continually present in me. We talk about how we want to win people to Jesus and we want to be a light and we want to do this and that, but you can't do it if you're not continually present. It's futile. Yes, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who are continually present in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who is not continually present in me is thrown away like useless branches and withers. They're gathered into a pile to be burned. Anyone who is not continually present. You want to know how to love and serve God? We talk about that all the time. We want to love and serve God. We want to tell people that there's hope. You want to know how to do that? You want to know how to have joy, which is the second half of John 15. That's why I want you to go home and read it, because it's more than 
than where we're landing. There is joy to be found in following Jesus. There is joy that will help us overcome times of persecution, which Jesus also says at the end of John 15 that we're going to face. But do you want to know how to have hope and joy and peace? Do you want to know how to be connected with the Father? Then you need to constantly abide in Jesus, minute by minute, breath by breath. We used to sing about it. I wish I had the words. I forgot to put the words up. Maybe some of you know this, and I may get the chorus wrong. But do any of you remember? Constantly abiding. Jesus is mine. Anybody remember that? Constantly abiding. Rapture divine. He never leaves me lonely. Whispers oh so kind. I will never leave thee. Jesus is mine. What if our lives could become that hymn? Where we're constantly abiding, where we are continually present with him. So, we're going to skip to the end. Let me ask you these questions. First question is simply this. In what ways has your life changed since becoming a Christian? Are you seeing more fruit now than you saw back then? Is there a change? If there's not, that should be a red flag or a red light with sirens going off. If there's not change happening constantly in your life as you are continually abiding, this is something you need to pray about. If you're not noticing a change and you feel like, well, maybe it's not as much I'm constantly abiding as I'm occasionally frequenting. That's not what Jesus is asking for. Occasionally frequenting. Jesus is mine when I need him. Otherwise, I'll take care of things myself. I don't want him to get in the way of my plans. There should be a change. Has there been a change in your life? Second question. What do you think defines Christians in our society? Mm. Now this is one that when we look at our landscape, are we bearing good fruit as Christ followers? And I would suggest to you the answer is no. And it doesn't matter what political party you are. It doesn't matter what region of the U.S. you're coming from. It doesn't matter if you're green or gas guzzling. It do, none of that matters. Society looks at us and says, you have an identity crisis. Because you say you care about Jesus and the things of Jesus, and you act worse than a lot of us. Are we bearing good fruit as Christ followers? We can't change the macro. We can't change the world's view of Christianity. But you can change the way your neighbor thinks of a Christian by the way you live Jesus in front of them. 
And if you're changing your neighbor's view and they're coming to have a better understanding of what Jesus truly is and who he can be in their lives, and if I'm doing that, and if Janice is doing that, and if Leon is doing that, then all of a sudden we begin bearing the fruit that we're called to bear and and people start to see a different view of Jesus. Third question, what habits, sinful or not, okay? So some of you are like, I'm, I'm good. You still may have habits that although they're not sinful, they're not doing what you need them to do. What, sinful, what habits, sinful or not, can distract us from abiding in Christ? I just told you, and that is honesty time. Y'all, the pressure of Sunday coming every seven days is a real thing. And I don't know if you know that, but it really happens every week. I'll tell you, that's one of the things that I struggle with, this question. Because it is easy for me to say, well, we've got to make sure that the programs are happening and that the ministries are taking place and that I've got a sermon and I've got a word as if you're not supposed to be reading the word every day and getting your own food. But that's one of my issues. What difficult changes might you need to make to focus more of your time and energy on bearing fruit? What if instead of some of these habits during this season of Lent where we're called to let go of some things and take hold of some better things, what if we were to get rid of some habits and some sin in our life and take hold of of a little more Jesus and a little more constantly abiding and a little more being in the presence of Jesus, what might that do in your life? Last question. What's one thing that you could do to abide more in Jesus so that you might know more of his joy? We're in the season of Lent, and the season of Lent is about Looking at self, what can I get rid of that is of me so that I can have more of Jesus? And a lot of times it can feel oppressive because it's a lot of woe is me and I'm such a bad person. But the truth is, as we're being transformed into the image of Christ, there should be joy that happens because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And because the second part of John 15 tells us that God wants our joy to be made complete. What do you think it looks like to live joyfully even when things aren't going your way? It is interesting that in the second half of John 15, Jesus says, you're going to have joy, but also be aware. The world hated me. And if you're like me and if we're connected and if we're the vine, so that makes you part of me. And if you're reflecting the image of God the way I'm reflecting the, the image of God, if they hated me, if then, then they're going to hate you. I'm telling you this up front so that your joy will be complete, so that you know when it happens, you can say, oh, praise God, I'm looking a little more like Jesus. (laughs) There's joy in the journey as much as there is joy in the destination. We're not called to live lives of desperation and despair. We are the people of hope. We believe it so much, we put it on our sign. And I meant to bring it in because I wanted to show people, Ken. I'm going to show people, Ken made me this beautiful sign that says hope. 
I'll bring it next time. What would it look like for you to have a little more joy in your life? What would it be like if all of a sudden, three weeks from now, people are coming up to you and they're saying, what happened to you? Because you were always a nice person and I could tell that you were considerate to people. But all of a sudden, something has switched and you were just, I don't want to say giddy, but you were just overflowing with something. What happened to you? What would would it be like if all of a sudden we start having these little one-on-one conversations with people and neighbors and friends? Because all of a sudden they're saying, I don't understand what's changed within you, but something has changed. And they want to know a little bit more of the hope that you have within you. And so, like First Peter says, we should always be ready to give an account for the hope that we have. And so you can say, well, you know, it's funny you say that. I was in church a couple of weeks ago, and the pastor was talking about how I need to have more joy in my life and how the joy of the Lord is my strength and how I'm connected to the vine. And I just decided I was going to live into that reality. And they might say, wow, I need a little bit of that. And then you have the opportunity to be Jesus in that moment and tell them about the Jesus that loves them and saves them as much as he loves you and saves you. Oh, my word. Could you imagine? And then you want to talk about joy when you have the opportunity to help someone encounter Jesus in a new way and come to Jesus as their and they come to Jesus as their savior. You want to talk about having joy in your life. Wow. When you see transformation happen and you're a part of it because of God using you, that brings joy, even if persecution is around the corner. So, as we close, we are the vine. And I mean that only because we are connected to the true vine. We don't just bear fruit We are the fruit. We are the visible image of an invisible God in our situations around us. Just like Paul says in Colossians, he's the visible image of the invisible God. How do we show the world in poor orange today what an invisible God looks like? We show it by the fruit that we bear in our lives because we are connected to him and he is connected to us. And so... We become this image that people want to know more about. May that be so in our lives. May that be so in your life and my life. Jesus. God, I've been all over the place today and... I don't know why I keep feeling like you're changing my direction and I'm just as lost as everyone else, but I'm praying that your spirit has been working in the hearts and minds of people. I'm praying that something has been said that will minister and strengthen and encourage and and challenge some of us today. God, may your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives. God, May we learn that continually being present in you is what you've called us to. God, I pray that as we come to the table in a minute and then we walk out of this place 
a few minutes after that, that we will not be walking away from your presence, but that you will be going with us. I pray that you'll help us to remember that we are the visible visible images of an invisible God to a world that needs it. We pray this, Jesus, in your name, Holy Spirit, through your power, to God, for your glory. Amen. I was asked this week um, what maybe a life goal is of mine. And I said, uh, and I, was tell- I think I was telling Henley this. Um, my hope is that one day um, when my girls have, have grown up and they're not, you know, living at home with us, um, that when they come home that they don't knock on the door. Or they just come in. And that when they come home they open up the fridge and they just help themselves to whatever is in there in the pantry, and they'll just start cooking whatever they want to or heating whatever food up they want in in the house, and um, that they um, kick off their shoes and um, turn on the TV, and they don't ask permission. They just come home. I love how Eugene Peterson talks about the passage that Garen's been talking about today. Because when he talks about abiding, that's what he's talking about. He says, I want you to make yourself at home in my love. And the picture that comes to mind is this uh, really incredible sense of hospitality that our Lord has for us. I imagine in the future, like with my girls coming home and kicking their shoes off and laying down on the couch and turning on the TV and and eating whatever I have at home, that if their friends call and they say, hey, what are you doing? That they'll say, oh, I'm at mom and dad's house. Come on over. And that their friends come and they don't knock on the door, that they just come in and they kick off their shoes and they help themselves to whatever is in the pantry and in the fridge. Y'all, that is the heart of Jesus. Come. You don't have to ask permission. There's not anything. You don't have to, like, have this, you know, special knock. Come home. Kick your shoes off. Whatever I have is yours. Make yourself at home in me. And so when we come to the table, that's what I want us to envision. That Jesus is saying to us, everything about me is yours. Everything. Come home. Come home and make yourself at home in what I have for you. This is yours. Everything that I have, I'm giving to you. My very life I'm giving on your behalf. So on that night that our Lord would be betrayed, he had this table set 
for his friends. Food and drink. He washed their feet. They should have felt very at home in that moment. They were familiar with what he would be doing for the most part. But as Jesus does, he does tend to... Oh, I want you to think about this in a new way. And so he took the bread and he broke it and he said to his friends, this represents my body which will be broken for you. Take it and eat it. And when you do, remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he lifted it up. And he sang a song and and. What this had represented to them and their history, Jesus was changing it. And he said, this, this represents my blood, which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Come drink it. Drink all of it and be thankful. Friends, our Lord has set a table of hospitality and grace and love for each of us. And he wants us to come and make ourselves at home, to abide in him, to let this nourish us in a way that, oh, when we leave, yeah, I've been hanging out with Jesus. Hanging out with Jesus. Come on over. Come on over. Whatever you need, He's got for you. We practice an open table here. If you are hungry for Jesus, this is your opportunity to come and say, I want to live this kind of life. This is how I want to live. This is for you. You don't have to have a key. Just come on in. Make yourself at home. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what you have modeled for us in the very act of your your death and resurrection, Lord, is a life of surrender. And it is also a life of complete love. And so, Lord, as we come to this table, I pray that you will be present in this place. And that we will make ourselves at home, that we will truly abide. in the presence of your love and your grace. Lord, we come to you confessing that we don't do that well a lot. We feel like um, we feel like maybe we have to ask permission to open up the pantry 
filled with all of the good things that you have for us, and yet you are saying to us, come, come. I have everything you need. Just come home. Just come home. Make yourself at home in me. Lord, we confess that we feel a little weird about saying to our friends and our neighbors, yeah, come on over. I've just been making myself at home in God's love. And so today, Lord, I pray that we will go from this place filled with all of the good things that you have for us, not for the sake of just ourselves, but for the sake of those around us who don't yet know your goodness, for those who don't yet know how generous you are, for those who don't yet know that you have a heart that is open for them to come and kick their shoes off and make themselves at home with you. So as we come to this table, Lord, we thank you. And we come with hopeful expectation and anticipation and gratitude for how you love us and how you will continue to work in and through us. Bless these elements and bless our time together. May it bear much fruit. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So we'll come to this aisle. My friends, the table is open. Come on home.
Will you stand with me? Let's sing our benediction, and uh, then I, I hope that you have a great week continually being in God's presence and abiding in Him. Let's sing. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done. As we go in your name, we shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go in God's grace and mercy.